Welcome to the Supply Chain Tech Podcast with Romby. In this episode, we speak with Peter Marshall, the outgoing Supply Chain Director at Dow Chemicals Europe. Peter reflects on 30 plus years of experience in the chemical sector, implementing digital transformation programs, embracing new technologies and adjusting to the new normal amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Peter also provides top tips for supply chain professionals driving data-driven efficiency and change in their organization. Hello, Peter. Thank you again for taking time out to have a chat with me today. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. So, Peter, um, I think for the benefit of the audience, um, I want to just give a quick Quick summary of your, your parkour today, where you've come from and your, your CV is phenomenal. In business for 37 years and the last 24 years in various supply chain positions with Dow Chemical, one of the top three chemical producers in the world, which is an incredible achievement. So maybe tell us a little bit more about your, park, your, your, your journey to, to how you come to where you are now. Yeah, certainly. Well, 37 years ago, as a young chemical engineer joining Dell in a research group in Germany, I had no idea what was ahead of me. And uh, I have to say, it's been a fantastic ride, fantastic journey, and been a lot of fun. And uh, you know, the opportunity to do so many things, it's just been great. So as you say, the last 24 years has been concentrated on supply chain. Before that, I had more technical roles uh, in R&D and manufacturing which then led to, to one day, I, I was a plant leader at a polystyrene producing plant in, in Wales and uh, got a call out of the blue from the supply chain director for that business who asked if I'd like to come and work in supply chain. And uh, like I said, it was out of the blue, but I uh, thought, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. And 24 years later, we're still in supply chain. So yeah, quite a, quite a journey. That, that is incredible. Little anecdote I didn't quite, I don't think you realized, but you started off in Newcastle Uni, which is literally 20 minutes up the road from where I live. I live in Teesside now. So the whole chemical world has been a very big, prominent, uh, defining moment for this area here. So as you probably remember, I, I've been in the enterprise sales software, ERP SaaS world for, for the last 15, 20 years now. And my passion has always been to bring technology to organizations, to, to bring them the kind of, of cutting edge, sometimes bleeding edge changes that can either support a transformation or trigger transformation. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to get some an, an idea from you, from, from your, your experience and what you've seen in Dow and, and the chemical industry, but most supply chain. How do you see the, the industry challenges that are facing the, the whole supply chain um, domain, if you want? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a, a very good question. and. Uh... Like every industry, there are some, some specifics and there's probably some commonality too. I think the key thing uh, from a, um, a, a chemical perspective is first of all, um, safety is always our number one priority and the nature of the, the product, the hazardous nature, uh, really imposes some extra dimensions in our thinking. And, uh, and like I said, it's always um, front of mind in terms of everything we do. Uh, the other key point is Actually, interesting you're talking about Teesside and uh, uh, the chemical industry and maybe not understood by all that really the chemical industry, you could say, is, is the industry of industries because 
practically every other industry takes product mm. uh, from the, the, the chemical industry in some shape or form. Um, so clearly we're, we're a B2B outfit, not necessarily that well known in the general world. Uh, but because of that, uh, because of the, the, the nature of our business, supplying so many different industries, that's also um, imposes some different uh, challenges in terms of dynamics. This is interesting. Um, the fact that you, you, you said Dow Chemical is not well known. Well, to me, at least, if I look five, 10 years ago, Dow Chemical was and still is um, a bellwether um for industry for commerce as you said it's a fundamental it's the chemical industry is the backbone of everything and with with Rombi, as you know we we, we provide um real-time tracking solutions and for visibility for shipment and the one industry that we found was still very active and had to be it was a chemical industry because if that stops the knock-on effect once all the the stocks and the piles just are, are gone most of industry would have stopped so we saw that the chemical industry was still very much functioning but what changed were the challenges over the last year in this very unusual year that we've been, the challenges changed, the, the kind of needs for the industry changed. How did that, how did you see that in Dow? And you know, from, from your view, from, from having all those years of experience, you know, I wouldn't say steady state. There's never there's no such thing as a steady state. There's always something. But this this past year was exceptional. How did you see that impacting your ability to deliver a very efficient um, process to your organization? Yeah, this time last year, we had no idea what was ahead of us. Yeah. Unbelievable year. And uh, in the end, it really wasn't a bad year for, for Dow. I mean, obviously, uh, earnings were impacted, particularly in the first half of the year. Uh, but actually, what I mentioned before, the fact that we supply so many different industries played an important part. Uh, we saw in the first part of the year, especially in Europe, the automotive industry pretty much shut down. Yeah. But on the other hand, the, the need for detergents, household goods, sanitizers, um, the need for food packaging, all of those things increased. So it meant that in some of our sectors, there were um, some losses and other areas did, did well. Um, but in terms of the overall supply chain challenge, I would say if this had happened maybe five years, certainly 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been in any position to cope with it as well as we did. You know, from uh, the organization having to overnight work from home and people taking their laptops with them and the connectivity, the, the, the bandwidth, the ability to work from anywhere, that, that didn't exist. And neither did the underlying system support. If I think of the journey that we've been on, um, I guess when I first started in supply chain, we were, in the first round of SAP implementation, SAP R2. Um, we more recently had an upgrade and, uh, and, and various other uh, elements that were bolted on that meant that we've already got far greater visibility than we would have had, say, in the past, which um, uh, together with the, the, the people being able to work from home and all of that, meant that our supply chain planners and the logistics professionals and everyone else in the organization, you know, even though it happened overnight without great preparation, everything continued. And I uh, have to give great credit to our logistics service providers as well, that at a time when you and I couldn't cross borders in Europe, even in the Schengen zone, uh, borders were, were closed. 
we managed to keep product moving. I think maybe one of the best examples is uh, there are four manufacturing facilities in northern Italy, mm-hmm. which uh, actually was you know the initial um, hot point in, in terms of the outbreak. And those plants kept running right through Q1, Q2. In fact, I think they even set records. And we managed to bring products out and, and supply products, etc., thanks to everything that I, I mentioned before, which is really quite incredible. So the, the impact on, on Dow was really uh, based on the downstream industries. Hmm. So if the automotive industry is shut down, then we're not supplying. Um, but uh, uh, our ability, our logistical ability to keep customers going was actually you know, pretty amazing uh, throughout last year, even in the most difficult times. Now, this is fascinating. You just triggered something in my mind when you said you were on SAP R2. If I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm almost sure, I'm sure it's an urban myth, but um, SAP's customer number one was ICI in the Northeast, one of the very first customers. And you would think chemical industry, not the most agile or the most um, venturous to take new technologies, but that's, I think, the contrary. It's been an industry that has been very astute in picking and choosing which which trends you need to pick up and what industries, uh, which parts of its its, its uh, portfolio it needs to, to mature. And as you just described there, to go from very much brick and mortar, pen and paper on desk to being a digital workforce, it meant that you could keep, you could cope with that, with that disruption of not having to be, not being able to be in the office. But on the other side, with your logistics providers, how did that work? Because then we had this disruption over the world where before, sometimes you relied a lot on, on manpower. They would have people on the ground, they would check where things are going, and there was a lot of communication through telephones and emails because people were physically around. Did that disrupt a bit of your vision, or your ability to look into the supply chain, to have control over, because some of that human intervention was, was taken out? Yeah, I think it's fair to say there's still room to improve, but... I think as a result of many years of work in that space, mm-hmm. we really could continue. So, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, the physical activities, you have to have people in the warehouses and at the sites and driving the trucks, et cetera. Uh, but beyond that, the fact that, uh, say all of our um, outplants, as we call them, warehouses or marine terminals where we store products are connected and integrated into our system meant that we could process orders, we could see the inventories, we could do all the usual things uh, remotely, which actually we do all the time anyway. Um, the same, so, same goes for, say, the overall logistics. And I guess it was a, a benefit that probably about three years earlier, we set off on a journey to have real-time logistics visibility mm-hmm. for all modes of transport, not just trucks, but also rail and the, the various marine modes as well. And uh, that's still in progress. That's still got a ways to go. But I think through the progress that has been made, that already helped us, that already started to pay off in in a time of disruption. So uh, many of the the, the things that we've been working on, and uh, that's interesting, your your comments or your feedback, perhaps, that uh, the chemical industry is not such a laggard. Um, We are a fairly conservative uh, sector I guess because of the, the nature of the fact we're handling uh, hazardous materials you have to be careful uh, but on the other hand uh, I, I think uh, you know, a company like like Dow with a, a 40 billion dollar turnover on a single instance of SAP globally is wow. quite a, 
you know, quite a thing. And uh, I guess the, the, the guys that thought that up uh, 10 years ago, that we would enter into such a program were, were really actually quite, quite far-sighted. And as you said, three years ago, not many companies were thinking real-time visibility was a need because you could get cheap labor in some of the some countries, you could rely on pen and paper, you could pressure on your supply chain uh, partners to get visibility. But had you not embarked on that journey three years ago, you would have been far short. And I'll, I'll be honest, during the, the pandemic, um, during summer last year, I took personal phone calls from a lot of CIOs and, and, and supply chain execs who were at their wit's end because they just did not know where the shipments were. Very simple, very basic need. They knew the ship, two containers from Malaysia. Uh, the last time they heard one was in Sri Lanka, the other one was in, in Cape Town somewhere. And they had no clue what was going on because they realized that they didn't have that kind of foresight that you put in to start digitizing, to start getting information, to start being able to put basically getting a digital twin in your supply chain, going that journey. It meant that where before they would have relied on a lot of human intervention or manual processes, that became difficult. And this has pushed a whole lot of transformation. And I, again, it's, it's a really bad thing what's happened. The only good thing I can take out of it is it becomes a fulcrum. It becomes a, a, a turning point for the industry where visibility of your supply chain is not a nice to have. It's a must have. It becomes a hygiene factor. It should be just better. Is that, is that how you how DAO would be seeing it as well? Oh, de definitely. And um, our CEO actually three years ago um, challenged us said, look, you need to be more Amazon-like. And as consumers, you know, it, it, it's not new. We're used to being able to, on our phone, go order something, you know, track it, maybe right. last minute say, hey, I'm not going to be home tomorrow, deliver it to a different place. And, you know, that that's, uh, is something that is uh, very familiar to all of us as consumers. And our CEO said, well, why can't we do that? You know, you know Peter, why can't you tell me where our stuff is at any point in time? And uh, I think through that challenge, it, it has helped us maybe take a step forward and uh, you know, get to where we, we are. I'm sure actually, though, in say five years, we'll look back at the capabilities in 2020 and, and say, well, that was, you know, we've, we've come a long way since then. So yeah. it's, it's not that we're anywhere near the end of this journey. I think we're still at the, the early stages of it. But that's not a bad thing. Again, I think I, I really applaud, Darren, the way you looked at this. First of all, recognizing that there's a, a, a paradigm shift in how business has been conducted where before business would, would seep into the consumer world and influence how consumers worked. And over the last, we all know this, last 10, 15, 20 years, it's been the other way around. The paradigm shift being the consumer world has been transforming at an incredible rate. And that's now is pushing the business world. And having your leader, your CEO saying, guys, it's not a nice to have, it's a must have. It's, it's right. primordial. Then that seeps through the whole organization that need to transform. And this is really good. So, if I look at your, your CV as well, I'll, I'll come back to that. I've seen all the roles you've taken from uh, uh, Sigma Black Belt to transformation to innovation. What are the learning, what, what are the key nuggets of, of wisdom you found? You know, you know, things to do, things not to do um, in terms of, let's say you were five, 10 years before, looking back, how would you advise anybody who is now thinking about, okay, I'll need to start doing something. What would you, how would you advise them? Mm, that's a, a great question. Um, one of the things I say to say more junior supply chain professionals is at the early stage in your career, get as much experience as possible, like, like do different things. You know, maybe you've uh, proven yourself as a supply chain planner. Well, go and do something in logistics or, or work on a project and do, do improvements and stuff. So get, get a broad experience. 
then the, the next thing I would say is actually whatever you do, your responsibility is to build on what you took over from your predecessor and leave your successor with something better. Like you should be focused on improvement. Um, I think all supply chain professionals should learn uh, project management skills, um, whether it's Six Sigma or Lean or, or whatever, but uh, improvement mindset is, is key. Like, um, yeah, obviously if you're operational, the day job is to make things happen, but everybody's job should be about improvement and, uh, you know, taking the basic processes and say, well, how can I make this better? And, uh, and kind of beyond that, uh, I would say, you know, if you have an operational role in supply chain, then you have to learn to, to hold your nerve, <laughs> to uh, uh, be able to go home at the end of the day and say, well, despite the things that went wrong, it was still a good day. And uh, you know, I had to quite often remind some of my commercial leader colleagues that we're in supply chain, we're also responsible for the shipments that go right. The, the uh, 99% of things that happen correctly each day, and uh, not just the 1% the that went wrong that people like to focus on. Um, so I think learning to uh, deal with that pressure in the right way it's not obviously every, everything that goes wrong with somebody's shipment somebody's order we have to take seriously we have to follow up on but you have to find the right balance as well i mean like otherwise you never survive in an operational role i like that i like if i i, I like the way you, you put this um leave the world a better place for the next in line mm -hmm. so do something better improve it even if it's a little incremental improvement at least it's better than when when you took it over and if everybody yeah. does that we're constantly improving i wish we could do the same with the world but i think we're starting to do that now we're getting better doing that <laughs> it, it, indeed yeah i mean if you think about it think from a say just from a software perspective and we, we get so much downloaded on our laptops and that and you know how, how well do we know how to use each of these these packages very true it's just basic things like that and, and putting that into to use in in daily work is a maybe a, a simple example that everybody can follow you know through to obviously if you're leading a group then yeah your focus should be on how can i improve this organization how can i help the people that work for me do a better job how can i coach them um when i hire people do i hire the right people that that add to the team that sort of thing i like i like the the, the angle you've taken on there where our generation, which is a few years, a few decades before, you had to learn coding, you had to learn quite a lot of gubbins underneath how the things work to make it work before you could get the value. We're getting to the point now where technology is becoming a lot more intuitive, a lot easier to use. And I, I like the way what you said that downloading a lot of software on, on your laptop is like having a whole lot of applications out there. Unless you can consume it easily, it becomes difficult to actually put into practice. And this is, in fact, and to your point about uh, finding the 99% of the good and the 1% that's bad, this is what we're trying to achieve as well here. We're, we're trying to, to look at the haystack and say, you know what, there's a haystack there. You need to find the needle, the two, 10, 100 shipments that need your attention. They're late, they're delayed, there's something wrong with them. Focus on those. The rest, the 99%, it's all good stuff. And again, you know, pat in the back, pat on the back. 99% is all gone very well. It's all documented, it's all tracked. You can report on it, you can see it but give it a thick skin to say, you know what? Yes, there's been some hiccups, but now we have systems that are easy to use. You don't have to think about how do I, it just does it for you. It brings you 
the information and then let you take your, your experience and your judgment to act on those. And I think that becomes very important. Sometimes we, get, we can get um, distracted with the noise. We look at the whole picture and it's quite hard to get your head around it. But I think it's, that's the way I'm looking at it. it it's incumbent upon on technology and the providers of technology to make it very easy to consume and make it very usable and very useful. Is that something that you that resonates with you? Yes, certainly. I think uh, uh, if I take the example of, of real-time logistics visibility, where um, we'd like to have had one single solution, but ultimately had to go mode by mode. So yeah. um, managing a rail fleet is very different from, from trucks or, or marine operations. And uh, one of the key things to making that work was in each case, having the, the people on the front line uh, at, at Dell, you know, say the, the people working with a specific mode of operations, um, working with the software provider as part of the project team to implement. So, so to make sure that you've got both the expertise on the, the system side combined with the end user perspective. And in that way, hopefully make it uh, something that's going to be adopted and, and properly used and, and fit for purpose. Because uh, typically there's a lot of different ways to configure something and uh, without having that practical knowledge of, of how things work in the real world, you maybe miss some of that. Um, but then on the other hand, if you don't have the expert on you know, how the tool's supposed to work, then you probably stick to doing things the way they are today rather than using the getting the full impact by uh, the combination of both. So I think that's a, a, a very good example of um, where we've been successful with implementation is getting that mix right. And Peter, I cannot tell you how much that resonate that message resonates with me. It's it's very relevant and very present. Um, I think I may have mentioned this um, a few months ago, about a month ago, just for Christmas, I went off to Ethiopia to work with the UN World Food Programme. So we were rolling out a project there. They want to track the, the basic premise of it, we want to test to see if the technology would work in the remote and harsh uh, locations in the outskirts of, of Addis Ababa in, in the remote location of Ethiopia. So that's one thing to see if it works. And then if it does work, can we help to digitize the supply chain? And it's a very simple premise. Can we save 1% of the supply chain cost? Not to save money, but to plow that back. And the, the metrics was, if you do that, that means you could feed 8 million more people in a year just without saving. And we're not talking about cutting things out, you're just doing things better and quicker. Now, I could be sitting in my ivory tower in the UK or in Switzerland and say, you know, this is how you do it, all good. But instead we said, no, we went out there, we traveled to Ethiopia, spent a week in quarantine, and then spent almost two weeks traveling, walking in the shoes of, of our customers. And then you really appreciate, to your point, you understand that this doesn't quite work like this. This is how their context, and by the way, this is what would really help them. And that's been a, an incredible experience for me to understand how we can really um, adapt and, and, and make sure we deploy the solution that's actually relevant to the, to the customer, to your point. If it's the customization, it's how you deploy it, how you operate it, it's very important for both the, the supplier and the consumer to be in lockstep, to really understand how that can benefit. So I 100% agree with what you were saying there about um, really being able to customize it to make it useful to you. Mm -hmm. Very so, good. To move on to a little bit more, I want to talk about the, 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 the next generation almost now. We've, we've come to, as I said, the, the tipping point where it's almost like a, 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 a not a nice to have. It's a hygiene factor. If you take Maslow's pyramid of needs, it's, it's one of the basic ones. Now it's like you know, food and water. 
you need to have a digital way of tracking your supply chain. It could be in various methods. It could be like Romy provides with devices. It could be for technology or different integration. The, the, the bottom line of it all is what it's doing is providing you data, is digitizing your supply chain. In, in your view, in your experience, how is that need for data and having accurate data, how has that evolved and how important is that to you in terms of either your daily operation or to transform down for the next 20 years? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, and this is the type of thing that, you know, like in five years time, we look back on and we, we'll have learned so much. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, um, you know, the, the different devices, the connectivity, that, that's all there. It's now just a case of working through and getting that done, like getting that in place. So, so the real question is, what are you going to do with that data? Correct. Like, uh, and and um, hopefully you're going to have so much data that it does cause a, a rethink, like, it, it, you know, you're going to download it into an Excel spreadsheet and uh, um, you've got to be thinking about what are the analytics that you need in place? How are you going to work with big data? How are you going to be able to pick out trends from you know, a mass of, of data and, and make use of that um, productively to, to, to make uh, important differences? And uh, I think that that's one of the, the key areas. And then the more you build on that, the more you start getting into okay so so what does that change like the the initial approach is often to reproduce what we do today correct using the technology well maybe you don't have to maybe, maybe you can then eliminate steps and, and you can maybe um, step by step go towards the paperless supply chain which today we're still a million miles away i mean like pretty much every container that ships somewhere there's a a FedEx pouch with, with, with physical documents sent in it. So, you know, a lot still to be done now. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's going to change processes if, if we do this right, which of course means it's going to change people's jobs and uh, change the, the nature of work. I mean, hopefully, in many cases, take away the repetitive elements, like you don't need people to repetitively type the same thing. Machine learning can take care of that. But you do need people that can actually do the advanced analytics and work with these these various tools and uh, be able to see the wood from the trees and uh, you know figure out where to intervene and where, where to make a difference and that means you probably need to look at who you hire and the nature of your team you need to help people that are in your team already perhaps uh, evolve and learn some new skills because you know they don't need to do some of those basic things anymore so I mean, there's, a, there's a fundamental change that's still ahead of us that actually the technology is an enabler, but it goes far beyond that. Interesting stuff. This is what I really like as well. Um, if you take some of the more established markets, pharma, chemicals, as you said, very reg regulated, has to be very thought through. You cannot change on a dime. And maybe not so much for, for, for Dow or for chemical industry, but most of the industries, it's been hair on fire. Let's just deal with today. There's so much to do today. Let's get today fixed before we think about tomorrow. We'll give tomorrow a courtesy call tomorrow. And you, you keep delaying, changing or transforming because there's so much to do today. Now, we, we found two, two schools of, of, of looking at this. One, a lot of companies have created innovation teams, dedicated teams that will look at technology or changes in practice, not just technology, but changing practices. Look at best practices outside, who's doing what and learn. And that becomes um, a, a, a crucial catalyst point. So they can take new ideas, incubate them and start testing them out and rolling them out. And that could be one really good idea to do. 
The other way is how DAO started 20 years ago, however long that was, from top down, say, hey guys, the world is changing. We can't close our doors and pretend it's not happening and just keep working day to day. You need that leadership and that executive momentum to say, okay, guys, yes, we will change how we work and it will cost money. It will cost not just money, it will cost resources because it's mental time you need to devote to it. And that's what we're finding those two need to come together, both from the top-down leadership, realizing that needs to be done, not just digitizing the supply chain, but it's everywhere, but also having giving the vehicle to actually make that happen. So the good idea needs, needs a, a catalyst to make it happen. How does that relate? How does that re resonate with you from what you've seen with working with so many other companies, not just in supply chain, but also your customers as well? Right. Yeah. But first of all, just to comment on a couple of things you just said. Um, you know, I mentioned this about our CEO saying you need to be more Amazon-like. So he didn't just say that. He created a, a program with senior leaders, some of the business leaders together with the, the chief information officer, um, head of supply chain, etc. Program that was called North Star, that was then there to, to guide the overall program. And obviously, it's not just focused on supply chain; it's also about digital marketing and how R and D is done and digital operations, etc. Um, but then to your other point in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you keep up with everything that's out there? Because it's, yeah. you know, as an individual, it's almost impossible. The, the world moves so quickly these days. Um, an element of, of the program was to set up various digital centers, like a, a digital operations center that's looking, say, you know, how do you use devices? How, how do you um, do maintenance and stuff like that in, in a different way in the plants using new technology? Uh, there's a digital marketing center in terms of how you interact with, with customers and we also have a, a digital fulfillment center and uh, re really focused on the, the supply chain aspects and in those centers that that's really where the collaboration with universities goes on that that's where um you know quite frequently in, in, in my job I used to get a call say from from companies that say have a new uh, product new technology etc and i would typically bounce them on to those colleagues, um, because I really view them as, as being kind of like the R&D organization for supply chain, that they're out there to understand what capabilities exist, to do joint projects, to you know, collaborate um, with others, with the universities, et cetera, develop the technology and then get it to the point where, you know, at uh, some stage you have to do a proof of concept, you have to try it out. So I think that's incredibly important. And that's maybe, a key change that uh, if I reflect on how things used to be 20, 30 years ago, um, we, we were much more uh, kind of secretive, you know, like uh, every um, piece of uh, uh, IP was, was ours and why would you share that and why would you help anyone else by, you know, letting them know what you're working on, that type of thing. I think that's changed enormously, uh, pro probably still scope for that to go further, but these days it's much more about that collaboration. I mean, there's no way you can develop um, these things as a standalone company. You, you, you have to work with others and you have to end up with some interesting groupings that, that years ago probably wouldn't have happened in terms of different companies from different sectors coming together and working on stuff. I really like that thought. Um, we've just kicked off our customer advisory board and we have um, a, a wide mix of, of customers and exactly to your point, we're now in such a connected world where there's safety in numbers. Doing something on your own in the background, it, it's not as effective as joining forces together and actually moving everything, creating new standards and evolving everything that we're doing. And I really like that. 
Peter, I've taken a lot of your time and I, I really appreciate this. This was phenomenal. Thank you. A lot of insight. I think from your years of experience, we can see there. I think the one thing I'll take away is it doesn't really matter how, how big your company is or how established you are. Change is possible in no matter what shape, size you are. Um, it's, it's a question of finding the right catalyst and the right vehicle, but you will change because if you, if you don't change, you will be changed. And um, there's enough his, um, examples in history where companies who have either resisted or too slow to change were overtaken. And the good thing here is information is available and the potential to change is, is there for everybody. So just on the closing note, one thing I want to ask you, what next for you? I know you've been 24 years with Dow and you've, you've called it a day at the end of last year. What's next? Actually 37 is 24 in supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, right, right now I would say I'm taking a break as much as you can in, in this lockdown world, uh, but kind of beyond that, uh, uh, looking to, to stay connected and uh, you know I've enjoyed our conversation today and this is the type of thing I'd like to do if I can be of help to, to people to uh, get involved in interesting projects and uh, um, obviously not not the technology itself but um, maybe in how we apply it I'm, I'm very interested in this digital journey that we're on and uh, hoping to stay in, in touch with that a little and uh, obviously not looking for a full-time job because there are many other things uh, I want to focus on as well. And Peter, I'll just close on this say it, it would be a shame on us if we didn't make use of your wealth of experience. 37 years in, in the industry with what you'd see, I think there's a lot for you to, to still share and to teach people around us. So thank you again. And I'd like to bring it to a close and say, Peter, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks. Enjoy talking. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Supply Chain Tech Podcast with Romby. If you'd like to support us and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit romby.com. You'll find blogs, ebooks, case studies, webinar discussions, digital solutions, and a bunch of other helpful resources about supply chain visibility and the related technologies. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.